Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozie. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Drive. My name is Chad Ozie, and I am here with my good friend, Jeff Cross. How you doing today, Jeff? Yes, sir. I'm very well. How about you? You know what? Uh, both of us were talking. We were on our way back from basketball games, and this is the point of the year. Uh, we're coming down to the end. <clears throat> I know you've got a, a handful of games left uh, to work this year, at least that are currently on the schedule before yeah, anything right. else comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm down to uh, to two games left in my basketball season. I've already been working baseball games in my baseball mm-hmm. season. Um, but this is the time of year uh, for our basketball officials that are finishing up where the drives are long and the days are long because there's stuff added, mm. you know, to what we're doing. You're, you're sticking around a little bit longer in the locker room because it's it's people's last uh, mm. game. You know, you're you're grabbing a bite to eat afterwards because it's kind of the celebration of, mm-hmm. of you know, the, the work that's that's happened and that kind of thing. I'm looking forward to getting to do a little bit of that this coming weekend uh, with some officials that... Uh, I've had the opportunity to kind of to come up with. In fact, I get to work a, a tournament game coming up with two people that were in my officiating accountability group oh. uh, just a couple years ago. So that's going to be really neat. Three out of the four of us are working that that same game, and that's going to be really neat to get to do that. But in the process of that, um, it, it just means there's a little bit more wear and tear, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more weariness. We have to take care of ourselves just a little bit differently. Uh, make sure we're getting the rest that we need and and all that kind of stuff. And then at the same time, you know, we got this kickoff to this new season uh, for some of us that are that are two sporters mm-hmm. or multi sporters. And uh, I went and I, I worked a game on uh, I worked a baseball game on Tuesday. Uh, thanks to uh, my partner who was working the plate that day. Uh, it was an under three-hour game, uh, which is always a win <laughs> in that's college right. baseball to yeah. have a game that's under three hours. 
and and I was just working the bases, but it was a great game. Uh, played back and forth. Teams were uh, were great to work with. Coaches were great to work with. You could tell it's early in the season. <laughs> uh, it was it was a great experience. Uh, we even had to overturn a call that's not normal, and coaches handled it, and players knew it was the right call. I mean, it was it was, it was really kind of a great experience. And then I got up the next day before my basketball game, and I'm like, oh, oh, these are different muscles than I've been using. <laughs> and so I took about an extra hour to stretch out before my drive just so that, that I didn't, you know, uh, run uh, hobbled uh, on, the, on the basketball court that night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You tell you what, though, Jeff, we have something very special planned today. Mm. And uh, we uh, we're working on a couple interviews that are be coming your way very soon as you're listening, and really excited about those. But as we're waiting on that, sometimes the the scheduling with people getting conference tournaments and stuff like that it has it has changed up their availability, and so we are working on those right now. But um, in the meantime, we have pulled out another stack of listener. <laughs> questions a big old stack we have a big old stack today and in fact i'm not sure how long it's going to take us to get through these this may end up being two episodes by the time we're said and done we may cut this puppy and uh and put it out there at a couple different ones some of these are kind of quick hit quick answers some of them are a little more uh a little more to them but here's what we're going to do for those of you at home uh, as I uh, as I give you just a little visual imagery of what I'm doing right now, I am like your friendly neighborhood blackjack dealer. That's right. Who is shuffling the cards and stacking them and splitting them and shuffling the cards yeah. and stacking them. And we are going to just randomly hop through these questions. And as we do that, we are going to just have a blast talking about some of this. We hope that you will respond to these. Um, if there are things that you think we missed, if there are things that you think uh, could be answered differently, we'd love for you to shoot us an email at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. Shoot one of us a text. That's where these questions come from. Uh, and it gives us the opportunity to be able to communicate back with one another. And so we're going to kick off today with a baseball question, Jeff. Listen, I, I'm still rather in touch with baseball. You know, I coach from the dugout, and I judge those baseball umpires just like anybody else. No, I, I know you do. I actually look forward to these baseball questions. They put me back in the in the baseball frame of mind. And for those of you uh, that are also looking to greater expand your uh, visual imagination while you are listening to our podcast, one of the things that Jeff does every single time when he comes in to record, we record in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, my office has a, a conference table in it. I sit down at one end, Jeff sits at the other. So even though the mask mandate has been lifted, we are officially socially distanced. And uh, and right next to where Jeff sits is a display of some of the the baseballs that I've gotten working uh, working baseball, uh, specifically college and and semi pro ball. And uh, every week when Jeff comes in, he grabs one of the baseballs off the shelf, Mm -hmm. and that is his fidget toy Mm -hmm. uh, as we. Uh, as we do the podcast. So it seems appropriate that we start with a baseball question while well, Jeff is right now messing with the baseball. And he, I mean, he's, I don't know if he's uh, underselling this. I mean, I'm looking at easily 40 baseballs just on this little shelf. So 
You have a lot of first games. I do. I have a lot of <laughs> so, first games. A lot of different places. It's yeah. kind of fun. That's yeah. right. There's a T-ball one over here. And yeah. <laughs> That's right. My, my little league regional quarterfinal games yeah. over there. It's yeah. pretty great. Good stuff. Good stuff. A uh, little known fact. Yes. That I actually worked the little league state final game when the team from Chicago that won, that ended up getting their title stripped away for... Yeah, Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie Robinson. I actually worked that team. Really? You don't need to be a detective to know. (laughs) They were clearly (laughs) men amongst boys. (laughs) I mean, it was like they were all holding on to toothpicks. I'm like, these bats aren't big enough for these kids. So when uh, that came down, I'm like, oh, well, I guess that all makes sense now. Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of my last baseball games. So. All right, Jeff, here's our first question. Yeah. They're looking for advice on communication with catchers while working the plate. Mm. How much is too much or not enough? You want me to go first? Or go for go it. Right. I would say if you're questioning whether or not you're doing it too much, then you probably are. I think that's, um, you know, we, we tend to overanalyze that. It, it It's almost like if you're sitting in a, at a bar and you sit next to someone, you don't have to continue to talk with this person. You could say some pleasantries. You can talk about a few things, maybe get their name, you know, and then maybe after the second or third drink, you're like, oh, so what is it you do again? Those kind of things. I think it needs to come naturally. And if you're forcing it, you're, you're, I think you're approaching it wrong. Um, that's my philosophy. I When I umpired baseball behind the plate, you know, I, it was a pretty simple introductory at the beginning. You know what I mean? And then after that, it was only something that I felt needed to be said because ultimately the catcher is ha, has a job. Mm-hmm. Catcher has a job that is is pretty demanding. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want to do is be a distraction for that. Uh, not, no, For me, no worse feeling than talking to the catcher about something or whatever it is, and now that catcher is missing a direction that's coming from the dugout from their coach that they want them to do something. And then I'm distracting them. And then that, that coach is pretty, uh, the manager is pretty upset about that. So I think, um, like, like I said, if you're, if you're wondering if you're doing it too much, then you probably are. All right. Uh, I have a slightly different take on that. All right. You get pushback. I like I it. I do. I do. <laughs> um, I believe that whatever your personality is, is how you need to interact with your catcher. Okay. Also understanding that their personality is going to play into how much back and forth you have during the game. So what I mean by that, if you're somebody who is all business and you don't like a lot of chit chat, you don't like a lot of talk, and you do those those perfunctory things that are necessary to start a game. Hi, my name's Chad. My name's Tony. Tony, great to meet you. Um, you know, when we start a game, I might even say, well, Hey, where's, where's home for you? You know, mm-hmm. while he's taking those, those warm up pitches or yeah. whatever. <clears throat> oh, I'm from Barrington. Well, Hey, you know, great. Um, don't typically, where are you from? I'm from just South of the city, blah, blah, blah. Right. And if that's it, it and that's kind of what you are and, and you're just more, more business-like. And then the only really communication that needs to happen is when there are questions. Hey, Chad, where'd you have that pitch? Hey, I had that just off the plate. All right, so if I bring that in a little bit, it's good? Yep, absolutely. Okay, no problem. If you're somebody who likes to talk, and that's who you are, and that's what makes you you, um, 
it's totally fine, I believe, to carry on conversation as you're working the game as long as it's not distracting that catcher from doing his job. Mm-hmm. And what you typically find is that as you as you begin those first couple innings of feeling each other out, you know, he's trying to figure out where your zone is. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out if he's going to block you out on a mm-hmm. left-handed batter or whatever, you know. As you're figuring that out, a lot of times you begin to get a really quick feel for how how catchers like to communicate. Yeah. And I will say one of the things that you can do is if you have a catcher that just wants to work and you're a talker, it's going to be in your best interest to just let them work and not talk. However, if you're more business-like and that catcher likes to talk, it's probably going to be in your best interest to talk a little bit more than you're comfortable with. Because the more comfortable that catcher is, the more willing they are to work with you give you the looks that you need to see while you're back there. But I have one word of caution. I don't care if it's a catcher that loves to talk or a catcher that likes to be quiet, or if you're an umpire that likes to talk or you'd prefer to be more quiet. Just remember that anything you say to a catcher more than likely is going to be told to a coach. So if you if you think that catcher is on your side and you've got a great mm. relationship and whatever, and the coach yells something from the dugout and you go, I wish that blankety blank would just keep his mouth shut. I guarantee you mm. the catcher is telling that to the coach when he walks back into the dugout. That's who they have the relationship with, not mm. us. Mm. They cannot, Catchers like to work us the same way coaches like to work us. Mm-hmm. And many of them do it very well and to their own benefit. Mm-hmm. But I believe you need to let your personality shine through your your comfortability and i've worked with lots of catchers especially in the off season when i'm watching pitches and someone will say why why won't umpires talk to us and i think one of the reasons is a a lot of them think that that's what they're supposed to do at this level they're supposed to just be business-like and do their thing uh in the same way that we hear on the basketball court we'll hear a a coach say to us well hey how come your partner won't talk to me today Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. there's there's that comfortability of communication that has the ability to go both ways. Yeah. A couple things I'd like to add to that. One is, correct me if I'm wrong, as an umpire, as a plate umpire, you need to know your audience. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things you need to do is identify, is your catcher going to be a little bit more vocal back there, a little bit more friendlier, or are they going to be all business? you got to be able to identify that. That's your job as an umpire. You can't expect this catcher to conform the way you want to work behind the plate. Yeah. Um, because it, it's our job to find the looks. It's our job to look around the catcher, and it's our job to communicate with the uh, the catcher and all players in general. The other thing is, not only is that catcher going to tell the head coach is going to say, he's going to tell the whole dugout. Yeah. The whole dugout's going to know exactly what you said, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And we know at least nine of those players, eight of those other players are coming up to bat. Mm-hmm. And they're they're already. Even if you didn't say it in the way that they're telling everyone, it's 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 just it's just a real dangerous thing. So stick. My philosophy is stick to you know cordial things, mm-hmm. stick to business type answers, you know rule book type answers, whatever it is. Um, anything that could be construed for emotion or uh, 
I wish, like you said, I wish this guy would just be quiet. Mm-hmm. That's probably never going to turn out good. That's exactly right. Exactly. All right, folks, we're now shuffling again. We'll see if we can find <laughs> something good here. So I feel like we're in a, a All right. game show. Outside of preparing for my next season in the rule book and with physical conditioning, what are other ways I can get ready for next season? Outside of rule book mm-hmm. and physical conditioning. Yeah, because we are... talk about those a lot, right? We talk about getting in the book, making sure we know the rules. We mm-hmm. talk about preparing ourselves physically, whether that's in our, our diet, our workout, whatever. But outside of those things, what are ways that we can get ready for next season? I believe the biggest thing you need to do is read a book, educate yourself. Forget the If you want to read the rule book, you want to go work out and do all those things. But the way you are going to elevate is if your mind, your brain is in top physical condition, top mental condition, I guess it would be. That is how you are going to find yourself in an elevation point. Because you're already, if you're reading a book that's, you know, maybe better for communication, you know, there's multiple books out there, you know, read one, two, three of those, you are going to be leaps and bounds better than everyone else, than most everyone else. Because everyone's doing what they're talking about right now. Everyone's going to go to the gym. Everyone's going to read the rule book and they're going to get really good at the rules and they're going to get really good at bench pressing 200 pounds. But when a coach asks them a difficult question, and you can't respond to it, they don't care how much you can bench. They don't care how well you know the rule book back and forth. How can you explain it to the coach so they understand and they buy into what you're saying? So I would work on communication, mental strength, because it's a long season. And when we get told we're wrong 70 times a year, or you know, in every game, we got 70 games a year and we're wrong. In every single one of those games, you got to be strong in your mental game. So um, that is where I think that's what's going to elevate someone from even from, you know, so if, if you're a beginning official and you let's say you're 20 pounds overweight and you don't know the rules very well. So you're a one through three, then you work on that and you're now you're a five through or you're a three through five and you work on a little bit more. Now you're a five for, through seven. Well, you're not going to get past seven just because you know the rules back and forth and you're in tip-top shape. You're not going to get past seven. In order to be eight through ten, it has to be something that no one else is doing. That's good. I have I have three quick things that I think are really important whenever uh, we're looking at our, our training season, as Jeff calls it. That's great. Uh, and here's the, the first one I'm going to say. Um, first thing is invest – in your family and friends Hmm. because we all know that our family and friends make sacrifices during our season. Mm -hmm. And so one of the greatest things that we can do to actually make ourselves better for in season is to invest in our family and friends in those times that we have greater capacity to do that. So whether that's taking that extra trip or just, you know, spend an extra time making dinner one night or whatever that is, you know, looking for intentional ways to invest in our family and friends. Second thing I'm going to say is to find ways at your job to let them see the benefit of what you do as an official. 
So if if you come back from your season and you're you're a little dead at work for the three weeks mm. while you get your mind back in gear and all, then they're gonna be like, Okay, why why are we giving them extra time to go do this? Why are we being flexible with them? Whatever. But if if you come back in and you are indispensable to them mm-hmm. during the rest of the year, then they're absolutely more willing to give you that flexibility and stuff that mm-hmm. you need during the season. I think those are things that we don't think of a lot when yeah. we think about preparing ourselves as an official. And then when I look at the one thing that I think makes a great impact on what we do during the season, and I don't care what sport you work, and I don't care what sport you use for this next thing, but if you are not a multi-sport official, spend your off-season watching high-level officials in other sports. So, for instance, I have friends of mine that are basketball officials that don't work baseball, but they love watching Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. This year, there may not be as much of that with the <laughs> lockout going on right now. If that's mm-hmm. the case, I encourage you to watch some great NCAA and NAIA baseball that's somewhere right. near that, you. That's right. Um, but, but with that, don't just watch that game within the context of your favorite players. Watch that game from the viewpoint of the officials and watch what things they do differently from how you do it in your sport. Maybe it's the way that a, a, a baseball umpire is looking for a, a foul ball on the line. Is there something they're doing physically to set themselves for that that can make a difference in how you look at things as a basketball official or as a football official or whatever? Um, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a, a tennis official you're watching because they have these super high-impact conversations with players Mm -hmm. on the court that can get heated really quick, Mm -hmm. right? Are there communication things that you can be learning from those interactions as you watch a sport that maybe you already love watching, but instead of watching it from the standpoint of a fan, watch that sport from the standpoint of learning as an official. And I'd say if you really want to take it a second notch, go work recreationally at another sport in the off season, mm-hmm. even if it's just a way to help that physical conditioning and everything else, I think I think being at least a part of another sport makes us better in our primary sport. So I want I have a question for you. Sure. What you're talking about, you know, you know, doing things with your family and and it just kind of rejuvenate you and, mm-hmm. and prepare. What does that look like for a Chad Ozy who does baseball, basketball, and football? When does that come, and how does that happen? Yeah. For me, it happens uh, when I am really, really intentional. I have to be super intentional. So for me, I don't get a full off season. Right. But I get a couple weeks where things are not as crazy. So for instance, uh, my son has his spring break starting on Saturday. Uh, My son and my daughter go to two different colleges, multiple states apart. My daughter down in Alabama, my son in Illinois. And so I have a um, I have a tournament that I'm going to work this weekend. Uh, that's about four and a half hours, five hours away from home. And uh, my son's going to go with me to my tournament. Mm. And when that tournament's done, I don't have a baseball game for three days after that. Mm. And so my son and I are going to go eat some barbecue uh, in between now and then. Um, and it's just a it's a way for me to invest 
in my family in a time my my wife's totally on board because she's working those days. It's mm-hmm. not taking away time from her, um, but it's a way for me to invest in him. And, you know, we all have those weeks where things are a little, a little easier. You know, hey, I've, instead of working six nights a week this week, I've got four nights a week I'm working. And so now on those other two weeks, I'm going to take special time out to do other things. And uh, it would be much easier if I didn't have some of those full off seasons, but just being intentional, I think people recognize that. Yeah. I mean, even though I only work one sport, as we've mentioned before, I go right into coaching baseball Yeah, and my wife, she recognizes that. Okay. Basketball's over, but now you're going to spend most of your days on the baseball field, cutting grass or doing whatever, you know? So I think she understands that, but it's also, I, I can't speak for her, but, it's a different kind of preparation mm-hmm. and a different kind of events day to day for me. And she knows that also. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's, it's, I'm not going to be traveling four hours to a game, do the game, come back four hours. It's a 12 hour day. You know, I potentially could be, Hey, I need you to go do something. That's okay. I'm just cutting grass. I can go do that. You know? Yep. So even though we are involved in something else, I, I, you know, as officials, whatever that next thing is, it's just different than when you're in your main season of whatever sport you're working. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I like it. All right. Moving on to our next question. We're back to baseball. All right. All right. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm really struggling calling box. That's B-A-L-K-S. For those of you that are not familiar with baseball, Mm -hmm. how can I get better? We got force, Jeff. <laughs> well, I guess you need to know the rules. You do need to know. I the rules. figured that be step number one: know yep. the rule, know what a balk looks like, and know what it is. Um, I, um, if I, if I go back to my baseball days, I remember a couple things. My buddy Sam was working like a pony league, some tournament. And I was working the next game. So I was he was at third base. And I was standing along the fence line. As umpires do, sometimes they visit in between pitches or whatever it was. My buddy, he like was talking to me and caught out of the corner of his eye. The pitcher did something weird. And he called the balk. And then, you know, he set, moved the runners home. And he turns around, come back, and goes, what did he do wrong, Jeff? I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you're asking me. I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. But I, I say that to, to say... Sometimes, no different than any other rule. If it looks, something didn't look right, you know, and for me, back when I umpired, balks were not something that needed to be spot on. I got to call it right away. You can process that balk just another beat Mm -hmm. to know whether it's illegal or legal. Um, But the best thing I can contribute here is you better know the rules. You better know what's legal and illegal. And... I mean, we, we know, I, I don't know how many times as an umpire, I'll be watching a move and I think, Ooh, that don't look right. And then the coach doesn't say nothing. I'm like, Oh, maybe it was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they bring my attention. Hey, Jeff, are they pausing out there? I'm like, yeah, I thought he got away with one there. So now I'm a little bit more in tune to that. I don't know, that uh, no, I think it's great. I, I'm going to take and turn this right back to basketball. All right. <clears throat> in basketball, 
we have people that are travel Nazis, mm-hmm. right? They they are looking for every opportunity they can to call travel. Yeah. And I'm not saying that by the rule, they're not correct. But I am saying that there are other travels where everybody goes, oh, that's travel. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones we've got to get 100% of the time. Yeah. The others, there may be a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Right? I think it's the exact same thing with box. Yeah. With box, there's some that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. We need to get them. There are others that may look funny. And, you know, one of my greatest responses there always is ugly ain't illegal. Mm-hmm. If it was, I've been in jail a long time ago. <laughs> You really and say that? There are, I do say that <laughs> all the time, man. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing where there are things that look funny, like you said, look mm-hmm. look weird, but they may not be illegal. And sometimes we do t- need to take the uh, the opportunity to process those things mm-hmm. and all. I think a lot of people they think, man, getting good at box is the next step to me getting really, really good. You know, whereas on the basketball side, we might say, man, getting really good at the shot clock is the thing that I need to get really, really good. And well, I think going back to what you just said a little bit ago, those are not the things that get us really, really good. Our communication is what gets us really, really good. Mm-hmm. When that coach comes out and is frustrated, I didn't call a walk. Can I communicate with them in such a way that allows us to continue this game? That's right. That's the thing that's going to elevate me more than being able to call a slight knee pop balk. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. Everyone, when everyone in the park knows it's a box, then yeah, we get those box. After that, we got to start using some, you know, I don't want to call it leeway, but we, you know, we start using some judgment, and that's what we're doing. We're using judgment. Absolutely. Be able to communicate your way through a balk call or a non-balk call. Yep, I agree. All right, our next question, um, and this one came specifically about baseball, but I think this applies to every single sport out there. I think you'll understand when I ask the question. It says, I keep hearing partners say that we need to be loose before we take the field. Mm -hmm. So you could insert court, whatever else Mm -hmm. there, right? I can't quite seem to do that. I'm much more focused and intense before a contest. Is this something I need to change? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know who this person is, Mm -hmm. but I'll answer it this way. If your performance is is on point, then be as unloose as you want to be. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you're finding that your intensity is crippling your decision-making process is crippling your communication skills, that is, then you need to find a way to, to get out, you know, to, to find a way to, to get it become a little bit more loose. I mean, I think the phrase we need to be loose. So, you know, because it, it's a term and to say, okay, we are, um, we are loose in, in letting the game come to us, not going out and searching box, mm-hmm. not going out and searching travels. They'll come. So stay loose, be ready for them, enjoy the time, enjoy the moment, and then you'll be able to handle those difficult situations. So that's where I'm at on that. I don't think I don't think there's a, a hard line for me on whether or not you're intense for game time or loose. My question is going to be how are you performing? Mm-hmm. If you're not performing well, then you 
if you're loose and you're not performing well, maybe you need to be a bit more intense or vice versa. Yeah. Um, I grew up in one of the greatest eras of sports ever. I grew up in the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls. Mm, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And there was a ad campaign said, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And there was nobody, nobody before or after who is more intense than Michael Jordan. There may be people who are just as intense Mm -hmm. as Michael Jordan, but I've never seen anybody be more intense than him. I mean, the, the legendary stories of how intense he was even during practice. They say at times he was more intense during practice than he was during a game. Hmm. Um, That tells me that it's quite possible to perform at a very, very high level Hmm. while being intense. Um, I think what you said is really key here. There are some of us that are naturally high strung, Hmm. um, have the ability to get too tunnel vision too focused, whatever, we need to open up, we need to widen out. And so for that to happen, we may have to focus on the relax part. Mm-hmm. Okay, take a breath. Let's be loose, you know. And and we also need to understand that words are intended to create imagery. That's right. Okay. I agree. So, um and, and the way I'll explain that, I I grew up in college as a as a vocal performance person and choral conducting person who's now in the crazy world of sports, mm-hmm. right? So I was a vocal guy. Shout out to some of my uh, friends out there like Kevin St. John that sang opera. That's right. Um, but um, you would see people, they would start with one voice teacher and it would go horribly, like absolutely horribly. And they'd switch to a different voice teacher the second semester, and all of a sudden, everything clicked. Well, the reason was is that the two teachers were trying to teach the same thing, but they were using different words to create the imagery. Mm -hmm. So one person might say, I want your tone to be focused. The other person might say, I want your tone to spin. And whatever thing your brain created when they said that, the imagery was right that allowed the action of your body to take place. Mm. We see it happening in coaching all the time. When a, a coach is working with a pitcher on a release point, and they're saying, I want you to imagine, and, and whatever word they're giving, what they're trying to do is have the brain create something that will allow the body to do something almost involuntarily. Instead of the body having to create something, the brain just does it. Mm-hmm. And so for us as officials, uh, we do it all the time. I've heard you at camps and clinics tell people they need to watch the court through the tops and the bottoms of their eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it that you're really telling them there, Jeff? Use your peripheral vision. Exactly, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you use that phrase, that's different terminology. It's created something visual in them where they go, oh, man, I got I to gotta see a bigger picture than what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember really early in my basketball uh, officiating career, I was almost like tucking my head so that I was focusing on the right things. And you picked up on it right away. You know, like, stop that. Like, stop it now. (laughs) And you told me one thing. I don't even remember what it was. And 
it didn't work. It wasn't fixing anything. And you came back later and you used a, a different set of terminology. And it was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was really big. And so I think some people are going to use the term loose to mean one thing. And it may not mean that same thing to you. Right. That may not be the the imagery that your brain creates. Yeah, because some people, when they think loose, they go, okay, i got to be a clown out here. Exactly. We're, we don't want to be a clown. That's right. We want to be poised. We want to be controlled. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to be uh, in such a stressful state that we can't operate. That's right. But I will tell you this. Um, I worked the game last night um, with a, a really great uh, college official. His name's Phil. Um, he's worked, uh, especially at the small college level, a ton of postseason. I mean a ton. He's worked tons of JUCO postseason all the way to the national tournament. He's worked D3 postseason. He's done all sorts of things. And as we were preparing for our game last night, he made this statement that I thought was really interesting. He said, don't let the game force you to do something different than what you normally do. Hmm. What he was meaning is, you know, this is a, this was a winner go home game, mm-hmm. right? And so it's easy for things to get heightened. It's easy for things to, to seem more tense. And he said, sometimes officials, they feel like they have to come up and match that level of intensity. And so they do something different than what they've normally done. Mm-hmm. He said, well, you know, what got us to this point of working this game is what we need to do to continue this game. Right. So what I would say is if your intensity, you use the terms in your question, focused and intense. Well, if all of a sudden you get to a big game, now you think I got to be even more focused and more, more intense. intense. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's different. Yeah. But at the same time, like, oh, wow, this is a big game. I need to really, really relax. Well, that's not what got you there. If yeah. you're normally more focused mm-hmm. and intense. Yeah. So that's the other piece that I would add there. I, I would don't let it be different than what you already know is successful for you. Yeah. You know, and it's what Phil said is really, really good. I hear it as for us to have our best performance, we need to perform every possession or every play. You know, no different than when I take my team on the baseball field. We need to perform every pitch or every at-bat. Great performance doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the game. doesn't necessarily mean the scoreboard is going to go in your favor. Same thing with officiating. If all I'm doing is focusing on getting to the final buzzer with no mistakes, doesn't mean I'm going to make – I'm not going to make mistakes. So – I got to work on possession to possession, possession, shot clock to shot clock, you know, inbound to inbound, and just handle every situation in front of me in that moment. And I will, at the end, find the the final buzzer, which will end up cause me to, to have success. I like it. All right, this one, this one's kind of fun. Uh, I think this one will be a quick hitter here. Jeff, what is your favorite hotel when you're traveling for sports officiating, and why? I want to be funny. <laughs> well, I can tell you, it's not the Super 8. <laughs> Although I've slept in a Super 8 before, obviously a lot of people have, but there's been many times where like, I just need four hours. Mm-hmm. Go check in to the Super 8. Literally, don't even take your clothes off. Take your shoes and socks off. Go to sleep, get up, and you're on the road again. So the life of a Division One referee. 
But my favorite hotel is uh, Marriott Properties. Um, I think they they have multiple different uh, hotels. You know, from Fairfield to Courtyard to uh, the full service Marriotts, you know, just name them all right. Residents. So they have all kinds of options for you and they are in most, I don't even want to say major cities. They're at, they're at most exits. Yep. So they're there. Um, they have a great app. I use the app all the time. I can literally book a hotel in a couple of clicks of a button and I'm in you know, it's so for me they're always clean they're always nice they always have hot breakfasts, you know, or some sort of breakfast. Um, everything is is uh, in the favor of someone who is on the move all the time. And, you know, they'll usually honor, like, checkouts. So if you had games at 7 o'clock and you got there at 11 o'clock the night before, well, I really don't need to leave a room until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They'll let you do that for the most part. Um but I want to tell you a good story about Marriott property. I stayed at one time and I got back late, did my game. I was going to fly out the next morning early and I had a rental car and I was like, I was just tired. I just want to go to bed. Literally checked in or, or maybe, yeah, checked in. I think it was. And I got to the front desk and I said, do you have anybody here that could, uh, you know, take my rental car and get it filled up? So that way I don't have to worry about it in the morning. You know, every every minute counts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got, you know, some maintenance people or whatever it is. And so I gave them whatever it was, 20 bucks. I didn't need much gas, but I need to be filled up because otherwise a rental car charges you 10 bucks a gallon just to, <laughs> right. to put gas in it. So um, I just gave them 20 bucks and I said, or 40 bucks, whatever it was. And I said, could you just fill that up for me and let them have the, the rest as a tip? And I was able to rest easy. I got up in the morning, went down, my keys were at the front desk, everything was fine. So those are the kind of places you're going to want to stay at. So when you are resting, you are actually resting. I don't know how much rest you get when you check into a hotel and you got to, you know, you're pulling the sheets back going, I don't know, you know, who's been sleeping in here? Is that, you know, is that hair on the shower? You know, all that stuff, right? You don't have to worry about that majority of the time with Marriott. So that's that's where I'm at, Marriott's. All right. Uh, I'm not going to add a ton to that. Uh, I know that was aimed more at a Division One referee that's traveling all over the place yeah. all the time. I will tell you this. I used to have the philosophy of wherever's cheapest. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, right. I mean, when we start off, that's what it is, Absolutely. Right? You know, if, if you're yeah. making a, mm-hmm. you know, a $180 check mm-hmm. and you need to spend a hundred plus dollars on a Marriott, mm-hmm. then your check just got small real quick. Yeah. Um, I have since come over to the dark side with Jeff mm-hmm. uh, to Marriott properties, but just for a couple reasons. Um, one, if you happen to be a NASO member, yep. Mm-hmm. You can apply for something called the Athletic VIP Discount. Yep. Um, you have to go through them. There's a, an online thing that you fill out. Um, but when you do that, um, you can then get athletic VIP rates at different Marriott properties. It's not available at all Marriott properties. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to a, a major city, there might be four out of the 10 Marriott properties that offer an athletic VIP. Mm-hmm. But most most Marriott's that are near a college, even a small college, will offer at least a couple athletic VIP mm-hmm. rooms. Yep. Um, and so uh, when you do that, it significantly knocks the price down. Sometimes 20 to 40% will knock off the, the room cost. Um, and so that, the other thing is, is that um, 
lately because of weather, I've had times where I had to get a room last minute. Mm-hmm. And because I'm an athletic VIP member and have stayed at multiple Marriott's over the last year, um, if I call Marriott and they're saying they don't have a room, they will find me a room. Mm-hmm. They will get me in someplace. And so if it's 10 o'clock at night and you left your game and the snow's crazy, especially as a basketball official or winter sport official, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really handy having that connection. I would also add to this. I know we're probably going a little long on this simple question, but I think this is important stuff. One is leave no reward points untaken. Mm. So yeah, when you're checking into Marriott or you rent a car or you book a flight, almost always you should be, you know, using your your code to get points. Just to give you an example, there's been years I've I've used points for our hotel at Niagara Falls for our vacation. Mm. Didn't cost me anything or very minimal because I, I made sure I got my points for every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I We've rented really nice Cadillac SUVs to take a weekend trip for free because I, you know, I made sure I always got my points. So, yeah, that may seem a little you know, like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about the points. But they, nine times out of ten, they don't expire. They're still yours. And you've got a chance to reward your significant other or your family in a time when you're a little slower and it doesn't cost you any money. So that's the same thing with credit cards, right? You know, whatever credit card you use, you know, try and get as many points as you can so you can use them to reward the people who have suffered while you're on the road all the time. That's good. Uh, this next question uh, is a little bit like the conversation we had about uh, about the catcher, except it's, it's going just a, a slightly different direction. Where is the line between being professional slash friendly mm-hmm. with a coach, especially away from the field or the court? So I and it, they didn't explain much beyond that. I'm I'm going to take that question. Um, you know, there are times that we find ourselves maybe we're going out to dinner after the game, and there's a coach that was there. Um, and, and maybe it wasn't the coach from the game we just had, but they were in the area recruiting or they mm-hmm. were doing something and we recognized them or they recognize us or we're working at a camp and they're there potentially recruiting players, whatever, you know, where, where's the line between being professional slash friendly too friendly. Um, I would say I would walk very, very carefully around this. Okay. As as much as you would be saying, I'm just being friendly to this coach, and you probably are. If we're in a restaurant, there could be other coaches. How come he or she went to go sit with that coach? How come he or she said, you know, hi to that coach and not to the other one? You know, those kind of things. Um, but I... I also believe there is absolutely, you can never go wrong with just being cordial. Mm -hmm. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. You know what I mean? How long are you in town for? Okay, cool. You know, whatever that is. Um, I don't think, I think if you're going to sit down and have a a beer or a drink or dinner with a coach, I'm going to say that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, It may be a little bit more acceptable and, in high school sports, you know, it's a lot of they've known each other for a long time, and 
Some may even be friends. Some may have even went to school together. Um, some may even play on men's basketball leagues together. So that's a little different. But I think um, as far as when it comes to collegiate sports, it should be short, sweet. Um, if you're if you're close to the line, you've passed it. That's where I that's where I land on that. But um, but you can never go wrong being cordial. You know, no different if you saw someone in the supermarket that you haven't seen in in six months or eight months, and you see them. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Yeah. Oh, you're in town. Good. You know, um, wish them luck. Those kind of things. Um, look forward to seeing you next time. All those cordial things. You're you're okay. But as soon as you start to get like, if you're wondering, am I crossing the line here? You probably are. Good answer. Jeff, what motivates you to invest in others? Mm. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to read you a text. It just so happened that I got one um, the other day. And uh, here it is. I'll, I'll lead into more, but I'm going to read this text. Hey, Jeff, I was fortunate enough to get a game on the national tournament on Friday. Uh, team A versus Team B, right? doesn't make any difference. I'll be in this town. I wanted to thank you for everything you've done over the years to help me get this game. Looking forward to it. I appreciate all you do. Looking forward to the future years for sure. That's why I like to invest in others and help others. Because it's those types of texts or emails that know that makes me feel better that it's not going on deaf ears, I guess. Mm. You know, we we do that all the time with with our kids. You're like, I told them a hundred times not to to jump down the stairs because they're gonna break their leg. And then one time they don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they see the success and you feel better about it. So um as as difficult as it can be at times of answering the phone all the time, responding back to text, responding back to emails with questions and rules, questions and, you know, thought processes and doing podcasts once a week and all those things. It's worth it when you get one response like that. And not that we're doing it for the response, but when we know we had just a small hand in someone's success, to me, I, mean, I call it self-serving. I feel really good when that happens. It's like giving the present. Um, and that's, I think we all lose sight of that. We lose sight of why we're doing that until we get this text. Or It's not like I'm going, man, I've been helping people for three years and I've never once got the text, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think anyone should be doing that either. But when that does come across, it just feels good to know that you were able to help. And you know, I often use this phrase, and I believe I used it with you before, when someone sends me, I didn't respond this way with this text, but mm -hmm. listen, I, I'm not driving the car. You know, you're driving the car. I just gave you the map. You're the one who still has to make the right turns and the left turns correctly. So I'm just, you know, giving you the map. Here's the map, and you, you, were, you still have to follow it. So... As much as they want to thank me or someone else that is helping invest in others, 99% of their success is coming from what they've done. No, that's really good. And I, obviously, I've 
I've seen you invest in a lot of people. You've invested in me. Um, and, and so I've seen that play out in your life. Um, you know, when it comes to me, why do, why do I want to invest in others? Um, there are a few different motivating factors there for me. You know, one is the fact that, um, I, I started really late, Mm. you know, and I've seen the impact that it's made for me and my family and all. And so any opportunity that I get to invest in somebody that's starting earlier mm-hmm. so yeah. that they can, you know, experience even more success, um, I, I think is a really great feeling for those that started where I started or even later, I really love investing in them because I think there are a lot of times that there are people that overlook them. Sure. And I think there's so much they bring to what we do as officials. Meaning they look at them and go, oh, this guy or gal's already 45, past their prime. Probably not a whole lot we can do for them, so I'll just let them go. Yeah, and not that they're trying to be to be rude to those people, but it's that if they invest in somebody who's 25, they're going to get 20 more years worth of use out of them. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so so I, I, I get that. I, I, I totally understand. But yet I think there's so much that many of those people with all the other life experience that they bring to officiating, mm-hmm. I think is is really, really great for us. You know, we, we use this concept back at the very beginning of our podcast and we talked about it. One of my big philosophies is that I should always have relationships with people who are where I want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so for me, one of those relationships would be you. You know, you work a ton of Division One basketball. I'd love to do that at some point. And so I have a relationship with you, not because of that, Mm -hmm. but but that is a relationship that I have. I want to have relationships with people that are where I'm at, you know, working Division Two, Division Three. Uh, working um, the levels of baseball that I work, you know, those, those same levels. And then I want to have relationships with people who would like to be where I'm at, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and have not yet quite gotten there on, on either side. And one of the ways that I visualize that is that there's times I always need to be reaching up, Mm -hmm. you know, there's times I always need to be reaching out and there's times I need to be reaching down to help people help pull people up. Mm -hmm. And so if you ask me what motivates me, I get, I don't get motivated when all I'm doing is reaching up for help from somebody else. Mm -hmm. I get more motivated when I'm reaching out and I'm reaching down. Mm -hmm. And when I get to, you know, celebrate what other people have done. And so what we're going to do here, we're we're definitely going to take and, and stretch this this episode into two because of where we've gone today. And I think this question is a great one for us to wrap this episode out with. Here's what I would encourage you to do um, as you're listening to this today. I would encourage you to grab a note card someplace or pull out your phone and go to your notes app or whatever and, and just write down, man, who are... Who are people that I'm in relationship to that are where I'd like to be someday? Mm. And am I investing in them the same way that they're investing in me? It's going to be different, you know, but mm-hmm. are you celebrating with them when, when they get the conference tournament this year, when mm-hmm. they get the whatever, are you celebrating with them? Uh, maybe it's somebody that's at the same level you're at and maybe they got an opportunity that you didn't. Are you being selfless and mm. celebrating them? You know what? It's okay to be disappointed you didn't get something 
while at the same time being excited that somebody else did. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. But yet, man, it means so much when it comes from somebody that could have been working. I talked with somebody last night. I'm, I'm getting an opportunity this coming weekend that that person probably deserves more than me. Mm-hmm. And their comment to me was, have a great tournament. I know you're going to do great. That meant more to me mm-hmm. than somebody that isn't interested in working that tournament. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think also I'd like to put it in perspective here. If we just think about this for a second, whatever, 50 people you're in communication with trying to help them up, across, and down. Okay. That number that is, they're all going to be grateful, right? They're all going to be thankful. They're all going to be, you know, for the help or the relationships. But the number of people that are actually going to find some success is pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if, if you just look around, look around at the officials that you see that you think are successful, that's, that's a small number that are successful and that person that they got encouragement from or help, they are they are one of hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that have been tried to be, you know, tried, they were tried to help by Jeff Cross or Chad Ozier, name the official, right? So that's why it means so much because we, we have a lot of help out there. We have a lot of feelers out there trying to help others. And sometimes only one person gets the success after after five, six, ten years, finally they reach some success. So um, don't get disheartened by, uh, you know, I'm reaching up, I'm reaching across, I'm reaching down, I'm doing all this stuff, but no one's sending me the text, or no, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm helping anyone. That's that's the nature of the beast. You know, the nature of the beast is we're, we can help thousands of people, and really only one or two people could be could feel the impact of of actual getting, you know, reaching that goal that they're trying to reach. Yeah. So, you know, along with, you know, my encouragement to folks today, not only are you reaching up, not only are you reaching out, but then as you're reaching down, and I don't mean down as in they're not as good as you or whatever, but just that maybe they're not the level you're at yet, or they've not had the same level of success. Mm -hmm. When that happens, what takes place is we, we are reminded of how fortunate we are when we do that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I got the opportunity to to work a game last night. I got to work a game last Saturday. I'm going to get to work some games this coming weekend that a lot of people would have loved to work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's other people out there that would be like, oh, I don't want to go work that game. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? That doesn't pay me enough money, or that's too far to travel, or that's whatever, right? Yeah. And those people that would think that way, I'd, I'd love to be working the games they get to work. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, we, we are all at a different spot. And so... To go back to the original question, what motivates me to invest in others? I would say, first of all, I have been so lucky to have had other people invest in me. Mm -hmm. I would not be where I'm at today if other people hadn't invested in me. I am not good enough Mm -hmm. to have done this on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's part of what motivates me to invest in others is the fact that I've had other people invest in me. But then... The next piece of it is, is knowing that when I invest in others, ultimately, 
we are all better. Not only is that person better, but I'm better because mm-hmm. it forces me to stay in the rule book mm-hmm. so that when somebody calls me up, mm-hmm. I'm not going, well, hold on, let me go look that up because mm-hmm. yeah. they could do that. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, you think they can, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, for for me to, to, to know my stuff or for me to be that person that if we're on the big game together and they start to get heightened, I can be the one to help them feel a little loose mm-hmm. or whatever, you yeah. know, to, to be that communication person in that moment. That for me is what motivates me because I I think that's uncommon. I, I think a lot of us like to reach up. Mm-hmm. A lot of us like to have somebody else bring us up to their level. Yep. Um, I think for some of us, it's it's easy to reach down to help somebody that maybe isn't a threat. And I hate to use that word, but sure. you know, a threat to my games mm-hmm. or a threat to my opportunities or whatever. But I think it's super uncommon for us to reach out mm-hmm. to other people that are where we're at and say, you know what? I, I want us both to get better because of this, even if it means you get the opportunity instead of me. Yeah. Um, I think that's uncommon. Yeah. I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but I want to, you know, obviously I listen to many podcasts and books and stuff. So you know, I made a few notes. I just, this is one quote I want to share with everyone. And I think it um, ties into what we've been talking about today. I know we've kind of been all over the board, but I think it's, um, it's important. I accept 100% responsibility for large, moderate, and small wins, as well as losses in my life. So we have to take responsibility for them. And whether we reach out to a thousand officials and none of them succeed, we have to take responsibility for those. Same thing with those officials that are trying to get help. And we've had help from multiple officials and you are still not succeeding. You have to take 100% responsibility for that and also for your success. This person who sent me a text, they're trying to give me the, the credit. They need to take responsibility. Like I said, they're driving a car. I'm just giving you the map. So. That's right. And some of us are totally happy taking credit for the success and mm-hmm. taking responsibility for the success, but we don't want to take responsibility for the loss. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then there are others that, you know, are a little more self-depreciating and all, and they're more than willing to own their losses, but they really struggle owning their successes. Mm-hmm. And so let me tell you, to be uncommon, mm-hmm. we have to accept both. Yep. Um, we accept that, yes, the hard work that we've done and the effort that we put in pays off. Mm-hmm. And when we make the mistake, we own it and we learn from it and we move on Mm -hmm. so that we can get to that next success. I agree 100%. Everybody, thanks so much for spending time with us today. You'll be seeing another one of these episodes very soon as we continue some more great questions with uh, maybe even a couple fun ones thrown in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, hope you have an uncommon drive today on your way to success. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.